Mindfulness Mode 115. I'm tapping into the brainwaves. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Thanks so much for joining us here on Mindfulness Mode. Want more focus? Be like my guests. Get some meditation happening in your life. I've created five free videos to help you get started at meditating. Just for you, Mindful Tribe, with simple yet inspiring video. Just go to mindfulnessmode.com slash focus. Enter your name and email so you can get started right away. That's mindfulnessmode.com slash focus. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have Dan LaFave on the line today. Hey, Dan, are you in mindfulness mode? Absolutely, Bruce. Thank you very much. Yeah, good to have you with us. Dan LaFave is an author, a speaker, and a coach. The father of three boys, Dan truly believes we're all responsible for raising our children with confidence and empowerment. Dan has managed multi-million dollar projects for the largest corporations in the telecom and commercial real estate industries, as well as growing a small business from hundreds of thousands in revenue to over a million in under three years. Inspired by these successes, he could see that the pattern underlying the success of entrepreneurs stemmed from their mindset and deep-rooted mindfulness-based concepts. So Dan... Tell us what mindfulness means to you. Well, you know, I I think of it also as being aware, right? And um, so I would have to say, you know, mindfulness is the opposite of ignorance. And, uh, you know, because when we're in ignorance, we're we're certainly not aware or cognizant. Would you like to learn more ways to become relaxed? Surroundings or what's going on or even what we're doing and saying. so. Um, Sign up you know, for the free I'd say relax that's, and you know, breathe in, in a roundabout way. I'm honored what a to be a speaker, along with more than 20 So you do a lot of coaching. Get free so you help, Sign you help up people become more mindful. I mean, you teach them about mindset. How do you do Langford. that? Or click well, on the link you know, in your show notes. I have to say that my core focus is to help people to become so aware of themselves and their thoughts because – as you probably know, and and all the the books and all of all time, you know, the power of your subconscious mind, Napoleon Hill's uh, Think and Grow Rich, they they all talk about the subconscious mind, that powerful aspect of ourselves, and some of us call it our other self or our our voice in our head, and. You know, that's the place that I want people to get to, and the only way they can get to it is through their conscious thoughts. So, helping them think accurately and that's that's what I, I the way I word it is you know how can you think accurately how can you think in the direction that you want to go in more often and be really mindful of your thoughts because if you can be mindful and aware of your thoughts things don't just happen and you know my saying is that life isn't happening to us life is responding to us and so if we take that perspective it's a pretty strong perspective because then you you no longer blame anybody you don't look outside of yourself and say you know this is happening to me you you think well if it's responding to me, how am I partaking in that? How am I part of the equation? And, you know, children are a great example of it. And I have fun with my kids. I have three boys, you know, different ages, two, six, and eight. Mm-hmm. And so they'll fight, you know, boys fight, right? So yeah, they, they do. <laughs> you know, so, so they'll fight, right? And then they'll be like, he did this, he did, he took that, right? And then uh, mm-hmm. I'll be like, well, just let's stop for a second, right? So, and then I say, you know, what if your brother wasn't here in the room? Would you have a fight? Would you have a problem? 
No. Oh, and then I look at the other one. I said, "What if your other brother wasn't here in the room, or you know, you weren't together, and you know, this weren't an issue?" Well, is this a problem? No. Well, no. I'm so well. Then I'm like, well, then you're both part of the problem, wouldn't you say? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Aren't you fifty-fifty, so to speak? Right? And they're like, no, no, he did it. And I'm like, okay, well, listen, you know, just recognize you are part of it. You've attracted it, or you know, you're you're somehow involved in it. So, you know, to be, to be mindful and to be aware of what we're thinking, you know, as adults, we have a lot more control than a child just because they don't reason as well. Uh, at some point they do maybe, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, but at, you know, the earlier ages, they don't, they're just like, no, 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 I'm right. You're wrong. And he's right. Or I'm right. He's wrong. Yeah. And, you know, it's that kind of blaming and, and denial and all that. Right. Um, but, for adults, it's like, you know, what is going wrong? What, you know, what could be done differently? Uh, you know, and, and then especially the words. And it's easy to pick up the words, you know. You just ask a question. And, you know, if you say to somebody, pay attention to this. You know, if you ever ask somebody, how are you today? Oh, okay. Well, how are things going, you know? Oh, not so bad, right? Yes. And then, I mean, if you just take that apart for a moment, right? So, so that you know, their their wording and their languaging and their 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 voice tells you everything about what's really going on. And not so bad. It's like, well, if it's not so bad, does it mean it's good? <laughs> right? I mean, so but you see, the words that they're using are bad. Yes. And the mind is registering bad, and their feelings are feeling bad. You know, everything mm-hmm. is bad. It's not. Yeah. It's not. You're not like somebody would who would smile and say, "Oh, not so bad." You know, <laughs> like you know, you, most people don't do that. It's like when they say not so bad, it's because they don't really think it's good and they don't, they're just not telling the truth. And, um, you know, so what I help people do is get honest with themselves, recognize the words that they're saying, recognize the voice inside their head, and then take charge of what they're telling themselves, feed their mind, like feed it. Like you're feeding a child, you know, uh, uh if you're feeding them, uh, let's say habits or practices or, or even teaching them how to say a word, you know, say hello or, you know, or whatever, dada, mama, you know, how many times do you do that as a parent, right? So, um, but it's the same thing. It, it, the mind has to be reprogrammed. It has to start from that level. It has to start from, you know, what are you feeding your mind and can you deliberately feed it? And when do you feed it? And, you know, the when is is not necessarily you know do it in the morning and evening but morning and evening are the greatest times why your subconscious mind is open wide there it's open wider than any other point because you've just you've either come out of sleep and you're coming out of that subconscious unconscious mode or you're going to sleep um but you know you can feed your mind uh any point in time in the shower in the bathroom on the way to work whenever you can just plug thoughts in and it can't reject it yeah, well, I know that you believe that self-confidence is very important for kids, and you even have six essentials for your child's self-confidence. So can you talk about a couple of those? Yes, well, you know, the thing with children is that, you know, they're they're very impressionable. They're very open. Um, you know, if you've had children, you, you know what I'm talking about. Because yeah, yeah, that's right. They are. They're very, very, uh, they're just open to whatever's going on, and they just take it on. Yeah. And they believe exactly what you say. Yes. And, you know, so it's interesting enough, and I, I'm not testing this, but, you know, just imagine if a parent decided to really test something like this on a child. If they told a child that blue was red, 
you know, up until age six or eight or whenever they, whenever they started learning, maybe five, I guess, when they were in school, Mm -hmm. you know, learning that it's not right. And then, but they would fight tooth and nail because their parents would be like, Oh, this is red. This is red. This is red. red." Mm -hmm. And, and it's really blue. Right. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see how that would actually map out because a child would actually believe it until somebody could disprove it somehow. Right. And yes. And logically compl- explain it to them. Um, but then, you know, I go a step further with my kids and have some fun. And I say, you know what, when something is red, it's not actually red because scientifically the color red is reflecting back. It's everything but red, you know? <laughs> so, right. I mean, see, that's a deeper layer, right? It's like, you know, yeah. so then, and then, you know, you can, you can kind of, uh, you know, shift the mind that way. But yeah. So how do they respond to that kind of logic? Oh, they love it. They love <laughs> yeah. it. They, you know, I, I, I even go a step further. I say, okay, let's go shopping and ask for something red, but we have to say, can I have everything? Uh, can I have that shirt? But, but it's got to be everything but red, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, you know, the shop, the, the salesperson would be like, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah, we play games, you know, my kids kind of love this intrigue, but, uh, but about the six essentials, I mean, the six essentials that I was talking about, um, it, you know, it has to do with what a child needs to learn and how they can learn. And, um, you know, what practices can we do as parents with them to develop these skills that they have, because they, they have so much ability, so much potential, and I don't think that there's any way possible that even two parents could tap into all of it, even if it was focused on it all the time. And, and you know, let's say parents who didn't work and they, they had just had a, you know, uh, you know, cash in the bank or something, you know, yeah. uh, you know, family money or something. They still couldn't probably tap into everything that's in there. So, you know, what I'm suggesting in the six essentials is to do some practices with your children. And the idea is that you can help program their minds because they don't know how to do it. We have to teach them how to do it. Right. So, um, you know, for self-confidence, give them self-confidence, use words that make them feel confident, right? You're great. You're fantastic. You're so funny. You're so bubbly. You're so whatever, but it's on an honest basis. Right. But that's, that's just complimenting. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And, And my suggestion is to compliment on a daily basis. Do it at the beginning of the day, start their day off with compliments, give them, you know, this, this, power, right? This, uh, this, uh, potential. Yeah. And, and, and one of your six essentials is setting intentions. Is that what you mean at the beginning of the day? Yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, when I say set intentions, it's not like what an adult does. It's more like, uh, I, I just ask my children, you know, what would you like to happen today? Or what would, what do you think you'll be doing today that will give you uh, good feelings and make you feel happy? And, um, and this is sort of before they get on the bus, right? So it's, it's only a few minutes. And so the question goes just like that. I just say, you know, uh, what, what do you want to do today? That's going to make a great day for you and, or what would make it a great day. And then they tell me, and then sometimes I dig in and say, oh, so you're going to go outside with your friends. Okay. Who would it be? Right. And then I get their mind just stirring on who it would be and imagining it. They may not notice that they're imagining it, but you know, it's a, it's a great way to just stimulate their mind and stimulate their mind. And sometimes they might say, I'm going to do this, or I have this thing to do or something. And then, you know, maybe if it's a challenge, I might say, well, just imagine if, you know, it worked out the way you wanted to. And, and, you know, it was really easy or whatever. Right. And then, um, but yeah, setting, setting intentions again is, you know, what do you want to do for the day? If you could, if you could lay out your day, why not, you know, 
Why not do it with intention? Yeah, that's that makes perfect sense. I know one of the things that you talk about is gratitude. How do you help children and adults really understand the value of gratitude? Well, um, I mean, gratitude is very, it's very simple. It's, you know, what are you thankful for? And um, so what I've, what I've done is uh, with my children, and I, I actually forgotten where I even learned it from, but I might have just heard somebody said something about doing gratitudes. And, mm-hmm. um, or actually, you know, um, yeah, come to think of it, maybe it was uh, Bob Proctor is one of my friends and mentors, and mm-hmm. he really ingrained in our minds that gratitude is essential in life. And, uh, and I understand that I'll take a little sidebar to talk about gratitude just for a second, because I think it's so important. But if you think of everything in life being cyclical and, you know, we know that there's a circle of life or cycle of life, you know, we've heard it even in the movies all the time, you know, like Lion King or whatever they, you know, so everything is cyclical or is like a circuit. Mm -hmm. And so when we receive something, Gratitude has to be part of that to keep it going. So we receive, we're grateful, it brings more. We receive, we're grateful, it brings more, right? And so if we ever stop giving gratitude, we basically, we, we cut off our flow to receive more of the same or better. Um, so I think gratitude is essential based on what I just shared, but also with children, it's very simple. It's like, you know, what are you thankful for today? What are the best things that happened for you today? So this is at the end of the day, it's right before bedtime, and I just... You know, I've started this habit with uh, my son who's eight now. We started when he was around three, two or three years old. And just say, you know, what, you know, and at first it was like whatever they could think about, right? (laughs) Simple things, but it didn't matter. So now it's a complete habit. They want it. They recognize it as a value for themselves. And it, it brings to mind the good things that went on during the day. And then guess what? A few minutes later, they drift off to sleep and they may dream about it. So then they get the, they get a double dose. They've done it during the day. They dream about it at night. It's all good feeling. It's all you know. It's it's all going to produce great results. And I cannot, you know, I can't guess, but I, I I can almost bet that in years to come they will still be thinking at the end of the day, what am I grateful for? Because they've done it for years and years and years, day after day. Right. I was just going to say, and that works for adults as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it works for all of us. Yeah. Well, you know, and and. In terms of gratitudes for adults, you know, maybe you like to think about it or maybe you like to journal about it. I'm a journaler, so I like to write about it. So on a daily basis, I write gratitudes in the morning and I write them in the evening. And, you know, in some instances, um, you know, in the evening, it could be wins. You can you might say, what what wins did I have today? What did I win at? And um, and and take that approach. Um, I've uh, I've gone a, a little deeper, though, into it now. And uh, it's just you know, sort of by osmosis in some respect that I've learned about these things. But mm-hmm. um, in the mornings, I write about certain things. And there's things that I like to write about because they're important to me. So uh, I have something called the five F's, the five F's okay. in my life. And those F's are faith, family, friends, fitness, and finances in that order. So I write those down and I write things I'm grateful for in, in those categories. And that's in the morning. So that's five things. And then I also have uh, what I call the five P's and uh, the five F's are kind of for re- for reprioritize or prioritizing or reprioritizing your life, depending on where you are. But the five P's are peace, poise, passion, purpose, and, uh, and power. And, and again, I write things that I'm grateful for in every one of those categories and it has meaning for me. So, um, you know, I think writing 
has a lot of power because writing will cause you to think, thinking will cause you to feel, feeling will get in, you into your emotional mind, right, which is a subconscious mind where you want to go. You want to get down to that deeper level. And then as you get emotional about things, that's when we take action. That's why people say we emotionally buy things, right? We go and buy a car or a house where, you know, it's usually emotional. And, um, you know, especially the bigger items. But, you know, if we can get down to that emotional level, then guess what? we're eventually going to take action or something is going to come out of it. And then we'll get a, we'll get something happening. Our environment will get stirred and we'll get a result. That's cause and effect, right? We, the cause is our thought our writing and our thinking and our feeling and our emotion and the response or reaction or effect is what happens in our environment. And then we, you know, if we, if we say, Oh, that was lucky or something, well then we haven't recognized how we participated in it. We, we actually created it. Well, Dan, how long do you spend journaling every day? In the morning, I'm I'm guessing it's about forty five minutes, and uh, in the evening, it's about the same. So forty five minutes to an hour. So I'm doing roughly an hour and a half to two hours of writing per day. And do you refer back to it a few days later, a few weeks later, or do you shred it, or what do you do with your journaling? Oh, I never shred them. Um, you know, uh, they're they're kind of great resources to look back on, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, so yeah, I never, never, never tried them, but, uh, there are times when I do look back on them. I've, you know, uh, folded the pages over or something, you know, like, yeah. uh, just to remind myself that there was something good there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, you know, there's quite a repetition. There's a lot of repetition involved in my writing and, and I know it's deliberate because that's how our mind learns through repetition. Uh, one of the ways anyway. So, um, so there are, but there are some sections of it that I sometimes go back to or, um, I, I refer back to, but not too often. And do you write longhand, like in cursive? Do you print? Do you type on a keyboard? How do you do that? Um, I I write, so it's yeah, it's either printing or writing. Um, it it really doesn't matter. But the I think the point is this: that by writing, um, you could think of the you know you could probably rationalize for a moment the brain power it requires to push a button versus move a pen across a page, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it it takes more brain power to to you know, get the letters formed and stuff like that versus pushing a button. Um, but I, and I also, I just think it has a different impact in our minds than it would if we were just pushing buttons. So my tendency is to write. And, um, you know, the other thing too, is, you know, if, if you're writing, sometimes you get an image in your mind or you get some sort of idea in your head and you can kind of chart it out or map it out or draw it out. And so it's good to have a journal because if you had a computer, I guess you'd have to figure a way to get it onto the screen. Right. Yeah, I suppose you would. So what do you think of the fact that a lot of kids are not taught cursive writing these days? If they're, you know, shifting over to typing it versus writing it, then, you know, that's that's going to have a different impact. Um, but, you know, I look back on, you know, a lot of authors that I've read, like Wayne Dyer, you know, he wrote all this by hand, you know, and you have to wonder why would somebody write it by hand? Well, it's not just because it was a habit or it was a preference or whatever, but there's there's some benefit to it. Um, but, but I, I just, I think that, you know, probably it's removing, like if I was to say, you know, the impact it would have on children, if they were not learning to write anymore and putting something to paper, then it's not going to have the same, it's not going to say have the same impact on their, 
um, on their mind and on their results and and on uh, on their ability to manifest things because typing something on a computer is is totally different. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. You know, Dan, you talked about the five Fs, faith, family, friends, fitness, finances. Can we focus in on fitness for a second and talk about how fitness helps us to be more healthy in our minds as well? Well, certainly. Um, I mean, I'm, one of the core things that I really love about fitness, and, and I've I've sort of been involved in fitness all my life and even ran marathons, so... Um, you know, it's just been something that's part of me and uh, and I really enjoy it. But, you know, if you look at, you know, even somebody like Tony Robbins, he talks about it. You know, motion causes emotion, he says. And mm-hmm. and I, I would have to agree. I mean, try run down the street, you know, at full tilt for <laughs> for like a minute. Right. Yeah. And not feel something. Right. You you know, you're not going to be like, oh, that was OK. <laughs> you know, you'll be a little bit exasperated and, and, and excited, you know, because you've, you just revved your body up. So, um, fitness is a core factor in getting yourself going, especially in the morning. Um, and I, I have a morning success ritual that I do, uh, starts at five thirty in the morning with a meditation then leads into, uh, doing some cardio and then some yoga. And then, and then after that I do reading, writing and, um, and setting intentions. And, um, but the fitness aspect is right there. As you can see, it's right after meditation. It could be first if I really wanted it to be, but it's getting my body revved up, ready to go, blood flowing, mm-hmm. oxygen flowing, right? Like it's it's so critical. Um, you know, we're not we're not uh, you know beings that are meant to be sitting around doing nothing all the time. We're we're meant we're meant to be moving. Uh, it's only because we've developed computers and businesses and things like that that don't require much movement. But um, who's to say you can't get out and go for a walk? three times a, week, uh, a day, you know? Yeah. So, uh, in fact, that's what I do. I have a nice Fitbit on my arm and I go for a walk and I do about 10,000 steps a day, three times a day. And it only takes me 45 minutes total. It's nothing. So, so you do cardio. How long do you spend doing cardio every morning? Oh, not very long at all. Uh, I used to do maybe 20, 30 minutes uh, at a pretty good pace. I mean, I, I honestly, I could probably do an hour if I wanted to, but, uh, uh, I was I was brought to the attention of something called Tabata, and it's some Japanese research on cardio. And their research showed that if you do five minutes of intensity per day, it's equivalent to doing forty to forty-five minutes three or four times a week. And I was kind of intrigued by that, so I put it to the test for the past six to eight months, and it's working. I mean, I I haven't had to change my diet or anything like that. I'm not any more tired or anything. But so, so just to tell you what Tabat is, it's high intensity. So it's intervals. And so intervals of 20 seconds, 20 seconds of high intensity, 10 second pause, and then 20 on, 10 off. And I do it for about five minutes. So my whole cardio workout lasts 10 minutes, five minutes of warm up to get my muscles lubricated and ready to go. And then five minutes of Tabata. Then I'm off there on my yoga mat, 20 minutes of yoga, and keep moving. That's really good. So do you use a machine? Um, yeah, I, I don't have to, but I do. I uh, I have uh, a spinning bike. I, I also love spinning too, and I've been teaching spinning for 10 years now. So. Oh, have you? So you really love it. <laughs> yeah, well, in a way, you know, I think people love it more than I do, and they just keep coming. They show up to my classes. So, um, you know, as long as they keep coming, I kind of keep teaching. So, um, but, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, I went away for six weeks last winter, 
um, to my wife's home country in the Indian Ocean. And I didn't have a bike or anything there, but I just went outside with running shoes on, um, you know, and uh, and did uh, um, uh, running on the spot. You know, same thing, 20 second, 20 on, 10 off, 20 on, 10 off. So, so when you're teaching spinning, what's the, the common denominator? What's the thing that you have to keep emphasizing to your students that they really don't have when they first come to you? Oh, well, when they first come, uh, well, I don't think they, they can believe, they believe in themselves. They often people look in those classes. They, it's like, you know, they're, it's like a fishbowl, right? They're looking inside and they're like, Whoa, I don't think I can do that. They, they go from, you know, I can't do that to, I don't think I can do that. And, and then maybe somebody gives them the encouragement and then they finally, oh, maybe I'll go and try it. Right. And so, um, my core thing is for them to, uh, come in, test it out, not at a high level, you know, just test it out at the level they can manage, you know, go as far as they can see, so to speak, or as far as they can go mm-hmm. and give it 10 weeks. Like, I mean, you can't assess something in one try, right? You have to, you have to, you know, I, I, well, maybe not even 10 weeks. I say like, give it 10 classes, like, you know, really give it a go. It's like, you know, don't assess your efforts until after behavior change, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you, you can't, you really can't judge. So, so what I do is I encourage people to just work at their own level and then, you know, go as far as they can push as hard as they want to and make sure that they stay loose as much as possible. I give them all sorts of techniques for doing that, of stretching in cold water and, you know, um, movement afterwards, doing some walking or something. And then, you know, um, encourage them to, to keep coming, whether it's me or somebody else, but just to keep coming and do it for 10 consecutive classes and then assess whether it's for them or not right uh part of your morning ritual is meditation that's the first thing that you said you do tell us what your meditation looks like well mine is uh, i'd like to do guided meditations and only because um i was brought to the attention of a gentleman that does uh nlp neurolinguistic programming and hypnosis and so in the meditation is built in binaural beats and if you're aware of binaural beats yeah mm-hmm. yeah so it's it's i'm tapping into the brain waves right different brain beta theta gamma whatever the brain waves are mm-hmm. uh, that i want to tap into and so uh my meditation is it's 15 minutes and it's guided and the one I particularly do right now is all success oriented. Uh, that's just because of what I chose to focus on. Um, but yeah, it's it's a guided meditation, and um, you know, as much as people think you have to be sitting down and silent, and you know, hold your forefinger, your 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 index finger to your thumb, or right, yeah. and all that. There's no real technique to it. And um, and the funny thing is, I saw a documentary with uh, Deepak Chopra. His son was doing a documentary of him in Thailand, I think it was. And uh, he snuck in one time and he says, this is my dad meditating. He was on the floor sleeping. So, <laughs> <laughs> so honestly, I don't, you know, I don't tell anybody to do it any other way. You know, you can do it however you want. I do mine laying down, my eyes closed. And frankly, I don't think it really matters how you do it. You just do it as long as the information is going in. If it's a guided one, if not, and you're silent, great. If you fall asleep. Okay, that's all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Yeah. Dan, I've worked in bullying prevention for over a decade, and I've certainly seen that the practice of mindfulness can make a huge difference with children or adults who have been bullied. Do you have a story about a bullying situation where mindfulness would have made a difference? It could be adult, child, you know, anything. Um, 
Well, definitely, uh, you know, I, I've seen or not seen, but I've heard some uh, instances where, you know, it, it's things that happen at school, either with my kids or their friends mm-hmm. or something. And, you know, um, I, I definitely think that that mindfulness would make a huge difference because what I do with my children is I help them become aware that, you know, their actions are not, you know, are, are not just one time. They they travel. They have wings, right? So, uh, you know, the whole idea of karma. So um, the way I talk to my children and why they probably wouldn't go and bully anybody is because they understand that their actions are going to come back to them and either haunt them or bless them. And so, so uh, you know, if children were just more aware that they are responsible for all of their thoughts, feelings, and actions, and also responsible for all of the things that happen to them. There is, there's a core responsibility there. And I know it's kind of, it's very deep to understand that, but it's, it's, you know, it, it, it stems from our thoughts. And if we are thinking, excuse me, if we, if we are thinking things and, uh, and fearing things, especially, and then something comes to us that we feared, well, we should recognize that we actually created it because we were fearing it. Right, right. Versus, versus if we were loving something or loving someone or being friendly to somebody or, or if somebody's having a bad time and they're, and they're reacting to us or, or lashing out at us, you know, it, it, if, if, if a child could, or a student could even step back for a second and say, what's happening here? You know, like, this is odd, this is new, or, you know, this is, this is uncomfortable, you know, that's the kind of personal dialogue. If, if a child would have that, they would, they would learn so much more because then they're assessing it, they're responding versus, you know, the automatic response, which is reaction, right? Something happens, somebody hit me, I hit them back. And then, you know, and then it just, what does that spawn more of the same, right? So. Yeah, it really does. Dan, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? Napoleon Hill, for sure. Love his work. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Really positively. It's, it's given me a lot more power and control. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Um, I'm actually getting more into that, but, uh, you know, I think breathing is essential and and especially deep breathing because then you can get yourself into a calm state. So if you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would that be? I'd have to say one of the books that I'm studying right now, it's called The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Dr. Joseph Murphy. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? An app. Um, oh, yes, actually. Sorry, it just came to my mind. Um, there's a great app called Super Better, and it's based on the book Super Better. And uh, it's based on being gameful in your life. So awesome app. Yes. What advice would you give a person who is new to the idea of mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life? Uh, if they're new to mindfulness, I would have to say that if they could just start becoming more aware of their thoughts and their environment and um, and the things that they think about most. Dan, it has been such a pleasure to spend this time with you today, and you've shared just a ton of nuggets here with Mindful Tribe, and I've been jotting down notes, and man, our show notes are going to look fantastic for this episode. So thank you very much. How can we learn more about what you do and maybe connect with you? 
Well, you know, I'd like to uh, I'd like to give a little gift to your uh, to your audience, and Thank I, I you. think it's a great one. Um, and it's on productivity, and it's something that you know it's not just for adults, but it's for children as well. And uh, it's about having a, this morning success ritual that I spoke about. And um, and the success ritual is not something I came up with, by the way. It's something that you know Tony Robbins, Oprah Winfrey, and and, and many many great leaders um, practice on a consistent basis. So I've just made it my own and, and made up my own. But um, the uh, the gift that I have is a video that teaches about establishing a morning success ritual, and then I created a checklist that goes with it. And and then I follow up with another video as to how you can remove barriers to getting your success ritual going. Uh, and that's that's on my website. So it's found at danlefave.com forward slash productivity. And I'll just sound that out so that, you know, people can look it up. Sure. But it's D-A-N-L-E-F-A-V-E dot com forward slash productivity. And uh, and it's there. They can they can grab that download and and put it to good use. Uh, I'll have to say, you know, out of all the things that you could do in the world, the morning success ritual is the first and foremost, the most primary thing that you can do because it inc- incorporates your cardio, your your meditation, your setting of intentions, your gratitudes. It has all that packaged in there. And if you can start your day on a really positive note like that, there's really little that can can knock you off that track. Oh, that's good advice. I have a morning ritual too, Dan. So thanks for that. And thanks for being on the show and uh, appreciate it so much. So have a great rest of your day. And thank you so much, Bruce. This has been awesome. Great. Bye, Dan. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.